along this world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men who bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Hello, everyone. It's Hardcasters again. We're just popping by to see if you've got, I don't know, a cup of tea or something you've got you could share with us. Anything will do. Biscuits, flat lemonade. We're not fussy. Um, we're very excited, uh, myself and Dick, to be talking about Cynthia Rothrock this week. And I'm going to start with my usual preamble. I feel like I've done her a disservice, not personally, but I think... <laughs> I think you um, have personally. I've, I've, I've seen this on the uh, social media. I've heard she's upset. Um <laughs> No, I think as a kid, I was very aware of martial arts. I think I must have seen a Jean-Claude Van Damme film or something. I was aware of Bruce Lee. Um, and then I saw, do you remember when um, news agents started just having VHS, like five VHS for sale on, next on to the counter? On a circular white rack near the, near yeah. the counter. Yeah. Um, I remember the one around the corner from us suddenly that some company must have bought the distribution rights to a bunch of old Jackie Chan films because they had like a cardboard shelf, two VHS wide and about five long ways, just with things like Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and The Young Master and um, Drunken Master and Fearless Hyena. And a friend of mine bought one on a whim and showed it to me. And I was just blown away. I didn't, it, it was kind of a use of martial arts and comedy and action that I'd never seen before all the things that Jackie Chan's famous for. It's the first time I'd seen it. And it really stuck in my mind. And I became obsessed with him. And I think as that progressed, I had these two ideas of what martial arts movies were. You either had the kind of Hong Kong stuff, which was predominantly Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and later on, for me, Jet Li. And I obsessed over those specific martial artists rather than Hong Kong cinematography or or filmmakers as a whole. And then your American-made stuff, which clearly featured less uh, intricate martial arts, but shot with much more high production values, so, you know, even though Jean-Claude Van Damme actually probably per fight scene only throws about three punches or kicks, mm. the way they're shot in slow motion and cross-cut and, and repeated makes them have this tradition, this, this massive impact. And I think somewhere in between there was this kind of American-made martial arts film that had really capable martial artists like <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock and Gary Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was significantly better martial art than not shot as well, but with a high production I think value. it was always in the middle, wasn't it? Because I, yeah, I think the American stuff always seemed to still want the guns and the, the action. Yeah. I always think with the Hong Kong stuff that every bad guy that the, the, the protagonist came up against was a skillful fighter, whereas the American yeah. films, it tends to be a lot of kind of people with guns or on motorbikes that are faceless yeah. goons until they get later on to the final battle, the boss battle, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. So there was nothing really that kind of gripped me the way that like, the Jackie Chan stuff did. And there was nothing in there that felt quite as satisfying as the more expensive mainstream American stuff. So it kind of fell by the wayside. And so obviously I think that was kind of, along with people like Gary Daniels, that was Cynthia Rothrock's mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Now I've seen a couple of her movies. I've seen Trino O'Brien and uh, I think I've seen A Rage and Honor. And I think uh, I've definitely seen Martial Law. Um. But, yeah, I, I, I can't say I'm an expert on her 
body of work. Would you say that's similar to you? you... The only one I was really kind of aware of was China O'Brien. I also, in my head, I always think China O'Brien's like either a funny pub or like a bloke in a pub who says he can do martial arts. Yeah. Like, imagine he goes in the bar, oh, there he is over there. He he used to be a All right, China? Yeah, and he's just a big fat bloke. He's like, yeah, I used to go where I I used to be a good martial artist, I did. Yeah. Yeah, you go, back up, back up, watch this, yeah. watch this. And, and he just splits his, his trousers and shits himself. There he is, China O'Brien. <laughs> um, yeah, go on. Go ask China O'Brien over there to show you his martial arts. Bet yeah. he shits himself. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, don't get me started on Raging Honor over there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, this is a grey area. This is a real blind spot for me. So, why of all the films did we pick Lady Dragon? Well, I'll give you, uh, uh, I think, three reasons. One, I think, as we've established, we don't know anything about her her work. Mm. Possibly tackling one of her more popular films. I'm sure there's other <coughs> podcasts or other interviews or other articles that have tackled the more important ones better than we ever could. So I thought we'd pick something a bit more obscure. Two, and... <coughs> um, as a teenager, as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy, um, you obviously would go into a video shop and there'd be, at least in the one next to me, local to me, there'd be a, the action films about eyeline height. Yeah. And then about the next shelf up was where the naughtier films rested. Yeah. So you'd have to kind of look at the action films and kind of look up just to see what... The blue section. At least... As my dad used uh, what, to call it. What me. I thought adult, the, uh, yeah, the adult world was like. Yeah. And obviously, you know, at that age, you're kind of hormonal. Now, the Lady Dragon VHS cover that I remember had, it, and I, I looked at it the other day just to, to check. It's not Cynthia Rothrock, by the way. It looks like it's Cynthia Rothrock's head <clears throat> superimposed onto another model's body. And the model's wearing kind of like a skin skin-tight black ninja leotard mm. thing, which is cool. But there's some slices in it yeah. in provocative areas. So it's kind of martial arts film by way of the sun page three kind of thing. Nothing too explicit, just, you know, it's been designed to sexualize uh, her in a way that a lot of the films didn't rely on that, which yeah. is a good thing. No, and she's not this at this. all, is she? She's, yeah, we'll go on no, to that no. later, but she's, there's not, yeah. not, none of that element at all in this film, which is quite refreshing, yeah. I think. So obviously as a kid, that drew my attention because it felt like a transition between the two shells. Now, I'm not going to say that we chose this because I was hoping that was in the film. It's just something that's always stuck in my mind. I've got these these images of video covers that stood out and that was one. But also, of the tra- we, we watched a bunch of Rothrock trailers just to see which ones kind of felt like would be kind of more in our wheelhouse. And this one possibly had one of the better trailers and it really put the action up front. Now, I found the film to be a mixed bag um, it's got some stuff that I would say is quite typical of that production level. It, it, it's not always engaging. It doesn't always work. But I've found some other stuff in there that really did make me think, you know, I need to go and watch a few more of her films. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're, how, how you felt about the movie. I, I, a mixed bag is a good, yeah, it's a, it's a big bag of revels. So, um, yeah. you know, think of it as someone with an nut allergy. Um, yeah. And there's really good stuff in there, but there's stuff like, oh, um, yeah. they were just kind of really, really, really badly acted or really crap plot points, but there was some really good stuff. At yeah. no point, though, does she turn into a dragon, get possessed no. by a dragon, or fight a dragon. No. So no. I was disappointed by that. 
I'm yeah, I was thinking some kind of um, like animated thing where uh, a dragon kind of enters high society and has to learn how to be, you know, to behave like a lady. I thought that was going to be the kind of kind yeah. of thing, but not, um, unfortunately. One other thing before we get into the meat <clears> of this movie, um, I think we watched the same version that was kind of perplexingly edited. Yes. Um, it would appear that some English language versions, at least the one we watched, um, are not just cut, but cut in a bizarre way. So there's some violent stuff missing, but also just entire sections of, of fight scenes lifted with no real sense of what's left. I mean, mm. the, the, and the finale in particular suffers in that it seems to stop, then start again, and then it's all over. You don't even see the bad guy dying. It, 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 He's quite but, jarring. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I sent you a link. There's a, there's a Spanish language version I found on YouTube that is uncut, and the fight scene at the end is a completely different yeah, ball game. It's, it's a, really, a really, really good. Brutal, really yeah. good fight scene, isn't it? Yeah, and so I think we're just going to be talking about an amalgamation of those two versions mm. that we watched. So there might be things we talk about that some of you have seen it might think, oh, I don't know what they're talking about there, that wasn't the version I watched. Some of you might mm. think, um, oh, they, what about that bit? They've missed that, Ben. Mm. It could be that was cut out in the version we watched. I, I didn't watch the whole film again. I just went to bits where I thought elements were cut so that aside uh dick do you want to have a go at uh, summarizing the plot for our our viewer uh, uh, dear dear listener wherever you are um so <clears throat> essentially it's she is kind of again it's, it's i think it's, it's the way that the, the the version that we watched is kind of strangely edited that we get to know that she she was getting married mm-hmm. and her husband to be was gunned down yeah um and it, it says that she was attacked as well but that's not really shown massively in the version that we saw what happened to mm. her she just explains the backstory but basically the bad guy who's played by richard norton yes um who's a good bad guy we'll come back on to him later on yeah he's kind of responsible so she initially goes undercover he's like a club owner again it's one of those weird it's a nightclub slash pub slash drug den slash sex den. So you don't really know what yeah. it is, but he runs it and she goes undercover. And again, she's, she goes undercover, but not like in an overtly sexual way. She kind of just dresses, puts a wig on and that actually looks yeah. quite different when she, yeah. um, and basically she tries to take him down and kind of fails quite miserably. Um, yeah. and then the, the bad guy, Richard Norton, um, he kind of dumps her in the middle of nowhere to, to, to left her to for dead, um, which again he's he's a really good bad guy. So actually, you kind of he's quite quite a bit menace throughout this. He, he's, he's just a shit, and kind of that develops later on. And then she gets found by like a a little kind of urchin um, yeah. in this kind of you know middle of nowhere. I think it's set in Indonesia. I think it's some it's, it's the Far East. I think right. it's Indonesia. So yeah. it's not like China or Japan. It's, Again, it seems yeah. to be a bit of an amalgamation of everything. And he takes her back to this kind of bamboo shack where he lives with, uh, I think he's deaf, an old deaf uh, man who he just calls grandfather. And he never gets yes. a name. And she refers to him as grandfather. And he teaches her the way of the lady dragon, or the way of the dragon, but a lady dragon. Yeah. Um, which... Yeah. Initially, it seems to be her doing it, it, a lot of it's kind of cut into a montage, but there's bits of her where he whittles a bamboo stick in a hole really quickly, 
Yeah. Um, and then there's a bit of him where he kind of balances on one leg. A bit Mr. Miyagi, a bit Yoda. He looks a bit like Yoda as well. He yeah. Looks a bit like um, if Lionel Richie married Yoda and they had a baby. Yeah. Um, he looks a bit like that. Um, oh, just, or, imagine the wedding night. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, all night long. Um, so, he... Um, <laughs> He trains her in the way of the dragon, so he's kind of very much this old mentor guy who trains her up. Um, and I think initially it's trying to train her to master her impulses as well as master her fighting skills. Yeah. She seems to be quite a competent fighter anyway, because when you see her in Take Down This Bar, she's, she kind of you know beats a few blokes up. But I yeah. think when he teaches her, he teaches her kind of techniques of you know how to control her rage and, and all this. And then she goes undercover again in the office where his mistress, whatever she is, works, who she seems to be like his right-hand woman, the bad guy's right-hand woman. Yeah. And he works with a... She works with this guy who's... Is he called Kenneth or Keith? Um, I'm a bit fuzzy on a lot of the names. Um, I do have... What's it? um, IMDb up. No, there's no Kenneth or Keith. Um, (laughs) There's an Alan. Alan. Uh, There he is. Alan. Alan. Um, yeah. So I knew it was a kind of very English name, a strangely English name. Um, yeah. But he, he's an undercover cop, which you find out later, and he helps her along to take, kind of take this bad guy down. So it's her kind of training and going undercover quite a lot, and then basically yeah. um, fighting this shit at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it, to, to that end, it does have that kind of classic martial arts trope of uh, there being like a bully character mm. who comes into not necessarily a village in this instance, but, but comes onto the scene. Um, you have a young, angry, um, enthusiastic person try to take them on and get their ass handed to them. And then they go into a recovery and training with an old mentor and then get their revenge later on. It's very, very traditional in that respect. Mm. Um, so just going back to the very start, I, I didn't realize how much I enjoy the assassinated on your wedding day trope. Um, Because I think that's the thing that only really happens in films. Now, (laughs) I did a bit of research. um, And yes, there's not that many instances of people being assassinated. There there, there was uh, a kind of drug cartel who did it once. And there was another rather unpleasant story about a a person who was beaten to death on the wedding day, but that wasn't necessarily an assassination. Um, But the whole walking out onto the street, into the steps, and then someone getting shot. It seems to happen in, in a fair few movies. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a good one in, in that respect. It's, yeah. you know, it's always at the happiest moment as well. Yeah. Um, it's never during the speeches no. or the first dance, is no. it? It's always during that bit. And I think, I don't know, maybe confetti looks good in slow motion. Or, um, or when they, anyone else doing, like, you know, the, the, at the after party, when everyone does the sit-down boat thing. Everyone sits on the floor and does that. <laughs> no one ever gets shot during yeah. that, and that's you know that one of the yeah. Like, oh, um, someone comes in with a shotgun now. Oh yeah, Ooh. oops upside your head. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think I think it would be bad. Imagine if you were sh- like your husband was shot during the photographs being taken. <laughs> so like it's click, and you got this this forever immortalized that bit. I think the worst point for a groom to be assassinated. You know when you go to a wedding and you've gone through the the um, the ceremony mm. and then you go back to the where they're going to have the reception 
and there's always never really enough canapes to go around. Yep. And then you think, oh, God, it's going to be another two hours before we eat mm. with all the faffing. And then just as you sit down and just as they're about to serve food, then you get shocked. Yeah. Then you'd be like, no, just, <laughs> can we still eat? Like, just while they dust for prints or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I like that. Now, generally speaking, <clears throat> I, I don't want to focus too much on things that don't work because there's nothing like howlingly bad. It's no. just it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the – it's kind of the bane of this level of production is that generally speaking between fight scenes, there's not always something that interesting yeah. going on. And that's really, it. it's not that everything's terrible. It's just, it's, just, it's kind of mediocre. Clunks along, doesn't it? But the, the action stuff's great. And there's, I, I think it's, there's a bit at the start, her taking out all the people in the club, I thought was really good. Mm. There's a good, quite a good kind of one-on-one fight scene at the start as well. Um, I think there's a kind of fight scene in a dark warehouse in the middle or towards the sort of end of the second act, which is a little bit too dark to see what's going on. Mm. But it involves a nice car kind of crash thing. Um, There's quite a cool bicycle car chase with a couple of good car flips in the middle uh, and some shooting. And then the the uncut version of the final fight, which I think we'll talk about towards the end, is I thought was really, really, really strong. But the thing that I took away from this most of all, and this is where I think I've been most unfair to Cynthia Brockrock, is that... Not only is she an incredibly good martial artist, and I, I know I said this earlier on, and uh, there might be some real kind of experts here kind of shaking their fists. I'm well aware that Cynthia Rothrock did loads of stuff in Hong Kong, and mm. some of her best work is in uh, some of the Hong Kong movies. She's fought Samo Young um, uh, and fought alongside Michelle Yao. Mm. Um, and some of those films, those fight scenes, if you look on YouTube, they're immaculate stuff. Um, so I know she's got the goods, and she gets a chance to really do a lot of good stuff here. I still thought she was she was really good as an actress. Yeah. Like she, she was pretty charismatic. She had she got to be a bit lippy to people. <clears throat> you know, um, she was a bit kind of smarmy and charismatic and yeah. sardonic. Um, she wasn't just you know reading the lines and then kicking someone. She actually felt like someone I I, I liked. And this is where I think the film majorly success, succeeds. I really wanted to beat that prick up. Yeah. Like the whole film, can you please just kill this motherfucker? Yeah. Like I really invested in that. Um, and that's partly due to Richard Norton, who's really good. Richard Norton uh, off has, has appeared in some Jackie Chan movies. He's done some Hong Kong work as well. He's done a cu- quite a few movies with Cynthia Rothrock. They, they sort of team up either as buddy cops or as villain hero. And he's done a few of his own martial arts films. He's also... Uh, one of the um, bad guys in Mad Max Fury Road. He's, mm. he's, he's a stunt, I think he's a stunt coordinator. He does quite a bit of stunt coordinating. He's in that as well. He's in an episode of uh, the Sparkers TV series as well. So, um, yeah, partly due to him, but I also think because they must have a chemistry. I'm not sure which where this film sits in their kind of canon of stuff they've done together, but they work well together and they kind of play off each other. Um, I think as well, we mentioned it before, but I think he's for a film, I think 1991, 1992, so very kind of end of 80s, early 90s, when, mm. like you say, you go into a video shop and it's kind of, everything's kind of highly sexualized, that she wasn't at all in this film. You know, even the bit no. where she goes undercover, she puts a wig on and a nice dress and she looks yeah. attractive, but it's, it's not ever sold that she yeah. needs to kind of be sexualized to have an impact on the screen. Actually, it relies on her charisma and the fact that she can she can kick people's asses as well, which is quite refreshing, I think, for that time as well. Yeah, and 
and not just for that time, but I've seen a couple of martial arts films, um, probably from the 70s more than the, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, there's a film called Firecracker, which featured a female, I think she was karate champion in that. Um, and there's uh, a ridiculous sequence where she's being chased through a factory and her she keeps snagging her clothes on things and she ends up having a fight in just her underpants. That's happened um, to you several times, though, to be fair. Well, yeah. I mean, I do set that up. I, I will say it's, it's not entirely <laughs> yeah. uh, accidental. Um, and then there's a, um, uh, another film that I've seen recently called Alley Cat. In the film, she's supposed to be a martial artist. Mm. But I think in the first scene, she takes a top off and she's naked quite a lot in that film. Um, so it, it did seem like a bunch of men are thinking, oh, female martial artists, we can make these sexy and action. Mm. And that never, again, I've not seen every film, but I don't think that's the case. I think she's lent into the sexuality a little bit later in her career okay. when normally people wouldn't. Normally it's a case of they have to do that to get yeah. you know, a seat at the table and that. She's been clearly just taken for her ability to kick ass, and that's really unusual. Um, and again, something I think that's really important in genre stuff that could normally be a bit exploitative in that sense. Mm. Um, so this end fight fight scene, I mean, really, like I say, the uncut version's really, really good. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty brutal. I mean, they, I, I think there's a couple of moments where they're actually, actually making contact. They're actually hitting each other. Mm. Um, it mm. feels just like two fighters going at each other who are absolute equals. Yeah. And within that fight, there's an exchange of power. One person's in control. They're not. Mm. There's a couple of interruptions, which in the full cut version actually play quite well and are yeah. paced out. In the uh, in the cut version, it's just nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. And there's some really great stuff. You know, some really good moves. They start to bring in some slow motion and get a little bit more stylized. Um, and as I said to you when I said about watching the clip, there is a point where Richard Norman picks her up and fucking Bane back breaks yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the fight. Yeah. Like, and not like cut around. It looks like he actually, I think she might have been on a wire, but it, it looks pretty horrendous. Yeah. There's also another scene when he, she, she, he, he grabs a leg and he just repeatedly kicks her in the leg. Yeah. Like stand, and it just feels like one of those kind of, actually, it's quite nasty. It's not kind of, mm. you know, that kind of Van Damme thing where they slow, show a kick several times and it's slow motion. Yeah. It's actually full-on kind of nasty and it was yeah it was quite brutal yeah yeah i i I was you know i think it's a really good fight so also just before we move on to other sections i i enjoyed this exchange this is one of the moments in the film that um i enjoyed um is where she's trying to convince the the mistress character Mm. um and so susan who's the the kind of the the baddies female companion Mm. says don't shit a shit a sweetheart. And then Cynthia Rothrock replies, you don't know shit, Susan. It's just a wonderfully alliterative, don't shit a shit a sweetheart, you don't know shit, Susan, exchange, which I enjoyed enough that yeah. I had to write that down. Um, and one other thing before we move on, um, this also features appearance from an actor called Robert Ginty, mm-hmm. who plays her person, <clears> who seems <throat> to be her friend at the start, but portrays her and gets shot at the end. And the reason I bring up Robert Ginty is that... Um, I have a weird fascination with this guy. He's in a film called White Fire, which has got an amazing cover. Um, it's got Fred Williamson in it. Okay, yeah. Um, it features an incredibly gory chainsaw fight on the docks mm. in it. But it also, basically, the main plot rolls around Robert Ginty's character, who, if for those people that were with us last week, 
has a very Noel Edmonds quality in some films. His, his hair is very bushy. He looks like a kind of, uh, imagine a human had put their head under their, their collar and poked a poodle's head out. <laughs> that kind of look. Yeah. Um, and basically his main character and the lead female, a brother and sister, and he tries to fuck off. There's some real sexual tension. Um, Sounds like Edmund. Over it. Yeah, it's a really weird sequence that you kind of think, did they just forget they're yeah. supposed to be brother and sister? Like, she's naked swimming at night, and he comes up and watches her and then pulls her towel away and starts to flick her with the towel while she's running around naked. And I'm sure he says something like, like oh, I sure wish you weren't my sister. And it's all super weird. Um, but he's also the guy that's in the Exterminator movies, you know, oh, with yeah, the cover yeah. with the guy with the flamethrower on yeah. the front. You know, the, on the guy on the cover, the big muscly guy in mm. like a welding mask and a flamethrower. And then in the film, it's this guy. <laughs> and it's like, oh. Um, but he, I've become so fa- fascinated with him, I've weirdly started to really like him. So I was quite pleased when he turned up in this movie. Um, so yeah, Robert Ginty, check, check him out. Yeah. Um, he's an interesting fellow. Oh, oh, is there anything else about this film you, you wanted to say or had in mind? Um... I think the kind of weird Yoda-esque character of Grandfather, I think it's quite interesting. And the yeah. ending, again, I didn't watch the end end of the Spanish version, I watched the fight scene, but the end yeah. where she gets the money and she says, she takes the bag and then you see Grandfather just start to reach for the bag and then she kind of pauses and goes, oh, actually, yeah, you have it, Grandfather. It's like, mm. you greedy old bastard. <laughs> and then at the end, it's, again, I don't know if it's in the Spanish version, but... It, 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 it kind of smash cut to the back of a Mercedes driving away and this kind of urchin kid just freeze framing with a thumbs up with it in the Mercedes. It just ended like Especially. a strange, strange way to end a film. It just kind of stopped yeah. at this shot. Oh, can I also mention one thing, just while I'm here, um, and I've got IMDb up. Um, I said earlier that I didn't really catch, uh, I didn't really catch any of the characters' names. Richard Norton's bad guy's character calls Ludwig... Hauptmann, Ludwig Hauptmann, which is a great villain name. Brilliant. brilliant. Uh, and one that, that we should have used ourselves. Now, it's over to the plot keywords. Um, and uh, last week, we felt that whoever had done the keywords for uh, Demolition Man had done a, a bang-up job. And we were very impressed by how... Belts and braces. Thorough. Yeah, very thorough. Yeah, but we still managed to find one, and um, school, yeah, I giant think it was skull knife, wasn't it? Massive or giant skull knife uh, has indeed been accepted. So we did make uh, our impact. Now we're going to have a slightly easier job this week because there are only twenty-two keywords <laughs> for Lady Dragon: female fighter, chase, arms dealer, boy, action heroine, female protagonist, uh, young widow, tied feet, <laughs> tied up while barefoot. Um, and then some generic things like revenge, murder, loss of husband. No wedding assassination. So I can tell you now, that is the first motherfucking thing. Yeah, drop that, that in there. We need like a, a futuristic noise that signifies we're dropping that in. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get to work on that. Um, so <clears throat> wedding day assassination. Okay, what's keyword two? I'll tell you what's not in there. Mm-hmm. Lionel Richie Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> Lionel Richie 
how how would you describe the grandfather character if you when he pops up on screen? Um, and I'm not sure his way of sign language is any other version of sign language that I've ever seen. Let, let's be clear. Let's call him a wise mentor. Okay, I think so. Um, I, I don't know if we'd get Lionel Richie Yoda in. Wise mentor is good. Now I'm tempted just for a laugh to put in because of that line I like so much alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> Just to class it up a bit. I think so. I think it's a good call. Because I don't think anything else that we put in is going to be particularly revelatory other than, although, although Backbreak. What's that called? Is that, what, what wrestling movie is that? Is that Backbreaker, uh, isn't Stone? It? No, it's not. Is it Backbreaker? A what? It's a Backbreaker. Backbreaker. Alliterational Backbreaker. Ooh. See, it depends because, I mean, Backbreaker might not be in the version that most people watch. So people yeah. might go, Ooh, what's that? But, you know. I think alliteration in in a long run is funnier because most people seeing that will no one else is going to add that. No. Okay, wedding day assassination, wise mentor, alliteration. Are we happy with those? Up all day long. We have just dumped them into the internet movie database. What we've um, done, we've right. just drove up and dumped a black sat in someone's lawn and drove away. That's the that's the IMD yep. equivalent on what we've rolled, done. Rolled out a corpse in front of the, the hospital and yep. driven off laughing. We're in a we're in a unique position here because we um we're both less familiar with Cynthia Rock's Rock movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, and I, that's, you know, if I'm going to say one thing about that movie, it's encouraged me to go and try and find some more. I think Rage and Honor looks like a winner. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely one I'm going to try next. But before we do, we're going to be in the u- unique, unique mm-hmm. position of imagining her movie career. So we can just go completely fresh yeah. with a Cynthia Rock's Rock movie. Blank canvas. Uh, absolutely and go from there now I've got the title generator up I do sort of say that you just saying blank canvas <laughs> I like that as a title yeah. especially if her name's surname's blank yeah but we'll, we'll put that we'll put a pin in that one okay um, here I go firing up the title generator as usual just let me know when you like something so um, suspicious fight two red snakes um <laughs> Blazing Ninjas, um, uh, Extended Cyborgs, uh, <laughs> Powerful Fight, The Next Chapter, Nasty Boogaloo. Uh, we're not having tight breasts to Massive Highwayman. Um, that's a different <laughs> film altogether. Flaming World, section. <laughs> Cosmic Guns, uh, Toxic Explosion 2, Running Rage, Ooh. Raging Tigers 2, Sweaty Millions. <laughs> Sweaty Millions is pretty good. <laughs> Sweaty Millions. <laughs> Sex Rage. <laughs> no. Awkward Highway. Um, I'll keep going. Is there anything that you've particularly that's jumped out at you? I like Sweaty Millions. I'm not sure. I like Sweaty Millions. How we can get that into. Yeah, okay. There's nothing. Uh, unless something comes in the next three clicks. Well, nasty heart, but I don't know. Um, okay, I think. Um, what blank canvas? Should we go blank canvas? Or should we do. Uh, okay, so we'll pitch blank canvas. Okay. Right? But 
the sequel to Blank Canvas will be Blank Canvas to Sweaty Millions. Okay. And we'll, we'll do a very mini pitch at the end. Okay. Once we get to know the characters a bit more. Okay. So, Blank Canvas. Clearly, it's got to be set in the art world. Yeah. Clearly, she has got to be called something blank. Mm. Marjorie. Marjorie Blank. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, how about this? How about we go the kind of... Because I think she could... That Rothrock could pull this off. How about we go with a uh, a born identity, total recall, long kiss good, kiss good night kind of amnesia thing? Yeah. How about sh- we join her? She's uh, retired to a quaint little bit of the country, uh, and she's a kind of kind of timid artist. Yeah. She does like local paintings for the local children's school and library. I'm, I'm going to say um, France. She's in France because. Yeah. That allows us to put a beret on her. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can't, it's not, you're not allowed to have a beret anywhere else. No. So she's in the south of France. She doesn't know that much French. <clears throat> no, actually, she does know French. Um, uh, I think Rothrock can, can learn French for a film. Um, and she's a painter. She paints for local schools, local nunnery. Mm. There's a scene where she's riding through a little French town with a, you know, a bag of bread and she's kind of ringing a bell and, and nodding. Everyone likes her. And it's got to be um, a bike with a, one of those straw baskets with a, with a picnic yeah. in the front of it, grapes, massive baguette, um, yeah, and, a, and, a, and a, a small easel that she's stuck in there yeah. as well. Yeah, but at night, sometimes at night, she gets out of bed, and we can do that. It's all in slow motion, just kind of blue moonlight. The wind is blowing the curtains. It's kind of all nightmarish and dreamlike, and she'll just get out of bed and approach her easel and she'll just start painting aggressively <laughs> horrific images from yeah. her from her forgotten past, of just in red and black. Yeah. Um, uh, and she'll wake up the next day and not know what she's painted, and she'll have to hide the stuff from from the you know the um, the the deaf child that she does tutoring for that comes in. Can she wake um, up as well? Like she had a really she's done this and she's had a bad dream, and it, uh, you know it's very intercut, like lots of cuts of kind of hands and, and knives and things. And she wakes up and looks at her hands; it's red, and she goes, "Oh God!" And it's red paint. Yeah. So we yeah. kind of got this kind of mixed. Yeah, she could, she could be asked to kind of paint, um, do like a painting class for the local school kids, and she has a kind of flashback mid thing. She she looks at her um, palette. And she sees all the red. And she just drops it, and it hits the ground in slow motion. And yes. she kind of collapses, and it cuts to her. But you know, someone giving her a glass of water. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm, I don't know what's going on. Um, now, this is where things get complicated because we've already done the gets involved in crime, is on news, gets spotted by old criminals thing for the Dolph Lundgren um, hobo hobo heat. heat. We use that plot device now. Some might say it's a lack of originality and a cheat to use it again, but come on, most of these action films use the same plot lines over again. One so word, we can come up with Hollywood. Well, no, I tell you what. Let's. How about the people from the past don't come back? How about she just gets involuntarily involved in a crime, a, 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 lo, a new crime, and that mm. brings back her old skill set. Yes. So, um, in the south of France, you could have a bunch, bunch of uh, bank robbers who have escaped uh, um, from their last major heist. We could open with the, with the big heist. Mm. And where best from, from Paris, and where best to, hide, to lay low in the French countryside. So they're up at an old house, and they've... Chateau? Are we going Chateau? Yes. It's a chateau. 
So up in the chateau lived a, an old woman, a bit of a recluse, who since his character would occasionally paint a picture of a bird or some shit and, and deliver and leave it for her. Okay, once once a year, and she'd say thank you. And it was time to go up there. When she goes up there, the old lady's not there. Mm-hmm. And this uh, rather gruff, thuggish French guy is like, no, she's moved on. Um, she died. We live here now. Or I'm her uncle. Mm-hmm. And this gets her suspicious because actually they're the group of international bank thieves who are hiding out there waiting to do an exchange. Yeah. Okay. So they're waiting for some big bad character to arrive. Now, Cynthia decides to nose around a little bit. The police aren't particularly helpful. Um, so she decides to nose around. She's got something in her that gives her the instinct to do that. And she ends up having a fight with someone. Mm. And it's a good fight in the garden by security light. Um, and it ends up with her reverse roundhouse kicking the guy into the swimming pool, but he hits his head and he drowns. Yeah. And she runs away. And that night, she starts to have all her life starts to come back, including the image of one particular violent man who killed her and left her for dead. Yes. And she suddenly realized that she was um, some kind of international assassin or criminal. She's got, she knows martial arts, and that she finds that painting her memories now help them to come back up. So rather than a, we can do a training montage of her learning back, getting back into a fighting fit kind of condition interspersed with like Bob Ross style painting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. I yeah. think as well, we, it, with a, with yeah, a kind of, it's the outside and she's got easel cell, but in between easels, she's got like punch bags mm-hmm. and those kind of totem poles yeah. where she kind of fights, you know, with his, with the sticks. There's one bite where she puts a, a paintbrush between her feet and does a roundhouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and draws four pictures in one whoosh of the leg. <laughs> yes. Um, and I like the idea that the, the track is a kind of upbeat rock called Paint to Survive. Yes. Um, it's therapeutic because she has been, as a result of her amnesia, left a blank canvas. Yes. And she's decided she's going to infiltrate this place of goons and wipe them out. Now, before she has to do that, I think they're going to send a couple of heavies to her house for another fight scene. Um, and this is gonna, I want this to be a brutal, like, semi-realistic fight scene. Mm. I want, you know, it to be... I want what, part of the fight to go into the bathroom, and I want her to smash someone's head into a porcelain sink. Yes. Um, a fight in a bathroom and in a, in a kitchen. A kind of proto-James... Uh, Jason Bourne. Kind can, of fight scene. Can, can when she fight though, at the end, it's really brutal. At the end, it goes goes to the living room. She's got a pet, a, a drawing set up, and on on the on the picture, it's kind of a, a child playing with a dog, and she yeah. rams this guy's face through the back of it, and he pops through the yeah. other side of it, and he's the head the head of the and the body of the child. So it's kind of yes. like, <laughs> she's and she looks at it, kinks her head to one side, and goes, oh, "I don't know whether it's art, but I like it." Yeah. And yeah. It, it's knocked him out. Does he survive and then have that painting around his head for the whole rest of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, so then she she is going to do her infiltration on on the base on the on the house, right? And that's mm. going to be super cool. It's going to be part Home Alone and set up traps, yeah, and parts martial arts kind of thing. And this is where we meet our main, well, our our second main bad guy. Mm. Um, and so it's going to be a big fight, and. It's at that point that they get the better of her. They shoot her with like a, a tranquilizer dart or something and take her. And then there's like 
all these lights and then the big heavy bad guy arrives like the the secret behind the scenes person and it's the person from her nightmare so it does in fact link to her past right and they take her away to a to a warehouse uh he gives all the spiel basically they were um actually you know what let's let's give this a bit of a full circle thing um it's not uh a male character because obviously that takes us into the fact that they may kind of kill Bill kind of got mm-hmm. long kiss good night. How about it's Michelle Yao from, um, obviously we know from Crouch Toad, yeah. uh, Hidden Dragon and then his Star Trek series, but who she did a bunch of Hong Kong movies with, yeah. or at least one. <clears throat> so that's a bit of full circle. They were, um, like sisters, but you know, it was between her or money. So she shot her, left her for dead. Now, they're going to do the same thing. So now they're clearing out of there with all this money. They're going to go to another country um, and on a ferry. You don't often see a ferry showdown as a finale, do you? No. And they leave her there in the warehouse with a, with a weird, creepy, torturer-type person who's going to kill her. Um, she kills him, breaks out of her chains, chases the bad guys down, leaps onto the ferry... So we have a bit where she runs across the dock and leaps onto the side, pulls herself up the chain, and then she works her way through the ferry, fighting off the bad guys. Big finale with 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 Michelle as the as the bad guy on a on a ferry that's on fire, and um, can, leaps off at the end as the whole thing explodes. Can Michelle Yo have a so that the kind of proto bad guy, the one we think is behind everything, but he's not? Yeah, can he be like? Just a kind of really good big martial arts bloke. So he's got a striped jumper on, that like a striped vest. So he's kind of like quite muscly. He's got a berry as well, and he's called yeah. the cool Nerf du Pap. So he's got like a really yeah. French name. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he fights. She fights du Pap uh, in a village square. Like there's bulls and everything yes. going on, and she uses bulls as weapons. Crashes through like we're, we're, you know. Yeah, we'll try and get every little French stereotype or 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 kind of icon in there yeah. um, as well. Um, I also think that the bad guys shouldn't be bank robbers; they should be art thieves, just to tie into the painting yes. thing a bit. Yeah. And the ferry at the end is loaded with art that's been stolen mm. and possibly forged, and it all goes up in flames. Beautiful. I like the idea that she she fishes herself out of the water at the end, and someone's like. Um, all that art and she goes yeah I know and then as she walks off she uh, from under a jumper she pulls out the Mona Lisa or something and winks at the camera yeah 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 oh no uh, I've got it I've got it I've got it can, can there be a scene I think she it's a flashback where she's gone undercover and it links to the art world and she's dressed as the Mona Lisa and she has a fight scene yes. dressed as the Mona Lisa I lo- yeah it would be great if at some point it could be hanging on the wall and someone looks at it and then, but it's her and she leaps out of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this is a sequel. So maybe, okay. So no, that, that's our, that's our opener, right? Yeah. The sequel, Sweaty Millions, <laughs> yeah. is we move it to a very hot country. Yeah. Right? Dubai. Let's go uh, Middle East. Let's go like, like Dubai or somewhere like that. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, you know, one of these millionaire, billionaire kind of princes, these chic princes, who's putting on an exclusive art gallery made from stolen art. Mm. And she's now being recruited by Interpol as a, as a anti-art crime expert. 
and so it takes place out there. Same kind of thing. Um, she remembers a bit more about her past, yeah. but ultimately it's just very hot, and very sweaty. Um, so all, I just I just want to shot every time they open a case of money, all the money's really wet, <laughs> just, <laughs> like damp. Yeah, yeah, sweaty. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, can can so obviously we've got a fight scene where she dresses as a model, so that's that's brilliant. So. Oh, we, yeah. what, what would it be called? We called her Marjorie Blank. Yeah. See, that's, think... that's her. That's her current name, not her original identity. Right. So at some point, she revert back to original entity, which could be anything we want it to be. <laughs> what about Stephanie Easel? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Beatrice Watercolor. <laughs> yeah. Or like um, Roberta Ross. <laughs> yes. Yes, Roberta Ross. I like that. <clears throat> Um, and can there be a bad guy just one of the henchmen called Lefeuf <laughs> yes just Lefeuf <laughs> how about we put Bob Ross in a Stan Lee cameo in both films yes so each Absolutely. time he's painting something and it gets interrupted by like a ridiculous fight scene I like the idea that at some point so in so basically maybe we open the film with the Mona Lisa fight yeah right? that's our pre-credit sequence and at one point uh, she and the villain crash through a painting, just leaving the frame. Yeah. And then as the two are fighting in the room, we pan, we pull the camera back out of the, through the hole in the wall, through the frame. Mm. And we have Bob Ross looking at the painting going, something bullshit. Like, I love the way they capture the motion as she like roundhouse kicks someone. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Can she also comes alive. kick a bad guy in the ball, a bald villain in the balls? And he kind of does the Edward Munch scream and he puts his hands on his face and goes, ah! <laughs> yeah. And she turns and so, around to the camera and goes, that's a scream. Yeah. yeah. This is great, yeah. I, I, think, I definitely think the second one goes a bit more international. Mm. It, get, it brings up the humour. She's having more, she's more comfortable in the role of Roberta Ross, yeah. a.k.a. Marjorie Blank. She's, she's, um, couldn't, uh, this is another good thing about the second one. How about that we do a little bit of True Lies-esque farce mm. in that her life as Marjorie Blank and uh, maybe like a, uh, a lover she had, mm. she meets back up with and she's, she's got, she's, you know, by day she's Marjorie Blank trying to rekindle the relationship, but by night she's Roberta Ross and there's a kind of, oh, I've gone in the wrong room and or I've come out of the fight scene wearing the wrong wig and now I've got yeah. to explain, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I'd, yeah I, I mean, I, you know what? I think that I think that um, Blank Canvas is definitely probably the tighter movie, but Blank Canvas 2, Sweaty Millions, is the one that's the more fun. Can I also suggest, and I'm going against what I said earlier, but you know when I said about, yeah. you know, she's not sexualized, can there be a sex scene in it? with whoever yep. is her, her lover, that during the sex scene, in the middle of it, she paints a self-portrait of them both. <laughs> like a like a sexy selfie, but it's painted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, um, you could do the thing, like the ghost thing with pottery, <laughs> but maybe with like, I don't know, paper mache, or it's just something really messy. <laughs> like they just cover each other in paint and roll around on the floor. <laughs> it's, just, it's great. I, I'm super, I'm super in. You know, I, I'm 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 coming for blank canvas, but staying for sweaty millions. Yeah, exactly. Imagine the trilogy if we did a third one. What could that be called? <laughs> um, in a in an unprecedented move, we're going back to the <coughs> back to the um, 
title generator. So we're coming up with a with a uh, um, a kind of subtitle after the colon for Blank Canvas Three: Maverick Heart, um, Danger Puzzle. Getting to the world of creating, doing the work for jigsaws. Like, no shit, Sticky Prolapse has just come up. We're not <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> Karate Rockets Hot Puzzle. Um, I like Hot Puzzle because we can get into a kind of Die Hard Three. Riddler, kind of. There's yeah. someone playing games with her. Yeah, and it's her um, painting, and she he's, he's he's moving the pieces around, and he's kind of yeah, and it's a montage of him tricking her, but he's he's yeah. using her pa- uh, painting as like a jigsaw. Yes, he's got a comp- she's got to complete the jigsaw metaphorically to complete the picture, which not only completes her memory, her lost memory, and ties everything together, mm. but but. Uh, gives her the clue she needs to defeat the bad guy. So that is blank canvas, blank canvas two, sweaty millions, mm. blank canvas three, hot puzzle. Beautiful. What a trilogy. Yeah. It's, and it's upmarket because it's about art. Exactly. Um, yeah. Again, we're robbed that those three films so, don't exist. Cynthia, if you're listening, you know, get on the Go phone. Go for it. Yeah, let's, you, let's, know, you know, let's make this. Don't let my ignorance of your, of your canon um, prevent you from making the blank canvas um, trilogy. Trilogy, please. And for you, lucky listeners, you know you came here looking for one movie. You got a trilogy. Um, we spoil you, you pricks. Justice. I think for the first time, really, we are not talking about cops. No, we're not. Am I right? I we, think we, we are aren't in looking at full uncharted, uncharted territory. Yeah. So, um, but obviously, you know, we call this section Justice One Hundred One. It's about getting justice. You don't have to be a cop in action movies to get nope. justice. Uh, anyone can get justice. They just need to go, you know, um, off book. Uh, they have to be mavericks, and certainly our, you know, our, our characters in today's film, um, uh, Lady Dragon, were very much out to seek personal justice. So um, I'd like to offer up something that to go in our manual that um, comes up in a lot of, in a lot of films. Um, I think you've got to get your disguise work down. Mm, you know, I think part of police training should be having a, a set of go-to um, disguises that work for you. And I must commend Cynthia Rothrock on her choice of disguise to go into the club. It was subtle. Yeah. You know, she wasn't trying to be a punk or a hippie or something, but you need a range of disguises to fit in. You know, if if our bad guy, if Richard Norton was hanging out, you know, bohemian, um, you know, marketplace, you'd have had to kind of go a bit tie-dye. Um, what would be, you know, so let's say, for instance, you you had your disguise case, your kind of go-to, what would be in there? I It would be um, Cosmonaut. Yep. Um, I don't know what the, the character is, but it, a tiny cowboy hat <laughs> just that pops on top of the head and a little neckerchief. Uh, and uh, Milkman, but from a 70s British sex farce. Yeah, brilliant. So I, I would be carrying a little, I'd have a white coat, the white hat, a little kind of carry cage with bottles, and I'd constantly be going, oh, like that when I see something naughty happening. I think I'd go pith helmet and small axe. Yep. Um, and khaki. 
Boom. Anything else you want to add to the manual? Anything else that we feel came up in this film that would be useful for people out there, whether you're a member of the local law enforcement or not, to seek justice? I think that it should be essential that if, if you get in a bit of bother and you kind of get roughed up by goons or whatever, make sure, stagger to the middle of nowhere, because more than likely you're going to get rescued by a wizened old man who is is not a wrongan, but he knows it, the ways of karate or the force, or he, yeah. he, he'll, he'll teach you some shit that you need to know, basically. Yeah, don't go looking for like rehabilitation in a in a medical facility. Nope. Wander around in the woods until you find an old man in a hut, and he will not only make you better, but he will make you a fighting force not to be messed with. Yep. Um, his, his methods may seem unorthodox to begin with. He might get you sweeping his front room yeah. or, you know, organising his collection of 1920s erotica. Yeah. But all of it will come into... Although it didn't in this film, did it? She, at no point that she had to um, make a hole in the ground. No. I think she made some dinner on that. She made the dinner. Um, yeah. She and... should have killed Richard Norton by, by whittling a hole in his head. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, definitely. I think. Just to bring it full circle. Yeah. Missed, but don't missed. let that put you off, okay? No. So get your disguise game down and always look for rehabilitative, rehabilitative treatment um, in areas of poverty like the woods. Just find an old man in a hut and Specifically uh, an old this. man. If, yeah. If it's someone yeah. who looks like a doctor or they've got a nice house, forget it. Look for an no. old man. In a yeah. run-down house, because he'll sort you right if, out. If they've got the skills, if they're that good, they don't need to show off by looking like they're members of society. They'll probably look like a hobo. Yeah. Um, so go for it. I mean, what more can you want from us, really? You're, you're draining us dry. I'm spent. Um, Absolutely spent. Yeah. We need to go and have a lie down. Um, and next week we'll be back with some more action antics. But please, you know, there's only so much of us to go around. Leave us be. Yeah, just fuck off.